1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode number 152 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, aka Murph. And I'm very hesitant to say 52 because I have to look at my calendar and see and realize that I didn't have an episode last week, which was supposed to be 52. And this week's was supposed to be 53, so I almost said 53 by accident. So I just want to fix that on my calendar. So I do apologize for the – sorry, I'm just trying to get readjusted to my chair here. So I do apologize for the, I don't know, the missed episode last week. I ran a poll. I've talked to a bunch of people, and people would rather just have the episode be pushed back a week or just canceled that week than have a scuffed audio where it's kind of crackly, where it's kind of – fuzzy and it just like doesn't sound good quality. So I, I didn't want to give people that form of content if that's not what they wanted. And if, if 75% of people said, hell yeah, we don't care what, what it sounds like with the quality of it. You know, we just want an episode. Then obviously I would have done it when I was down in Florida last week. However, people say, hey, it's all good. No worries. You know, take a week off. We'll get back to it uh, next week, which is now. And right it worked out so it feels a little weird you know two weeks off technically 13 days off because i'm recording this right now on thursday because friday i'm heading down to atlantic city for the sports card nationals and i'm not gonna have time to record because i'm leaving at like nine in the morning so i won't have time to record so i'm recording it now today on thursday but it'll be still released you know friday the the 29th so i Everything I'm going to say, because I want to talk about the Red Sox, which I feel like is a conversation that may be overdue, and I want to talk about the Patriots, because now training camp is officially underway, so we have Patriots chatter to discuss about. But just please keep in mind, everything that I do talk about in today's episode is reflective on what's happening, I don't know, I'm recording at 11.30 in the morning on Thursday, so it's reflective of what's happened as of 11.30 on Thursday morning, right? So let's say the Red Sox go out uh, tonight, they make a trade, they make a move, or they win or they lose a game, I'm not going to be able to react to that because obviously I haven't seen it yet. So just keep that in mind. So a lot of the information I'm going off of is as of Wednesday night. So just just like I said, bear with me here. But I do want to talk about the Red Sox a little bit and the colossal slide. That they've uh, MLB wild cards. I need to look up the wild card standings. Do I even want to look up the wild card standings? Probably not, because oh my God, the Red Sox have fallen off the face of the earth. Face of the earth, completely. What what's happened, guys? What has happened? They were doing so well. They were playing great in June, and I sat here the beginning of July and I said that this streak or this this stretch that, that, that's coming up is going to be the most crucial stretch the Red Sox season where they're playing the Yankees, the Blue Jays I think they have a series with the Orioles mixed in there, the Tampa Bay Rays obviously the Guardians they got the Brewers coming up uh, over the weekend or the beginning of next week and it's just like Playoff uh, competitor, playoff contender, playoff 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 team, and it was going to. If you won a lot of those games, it's going to help separate you in the wild card standings. Maybe push you closer to New York. But if you go on a terrible losing streak, like unfortunately they have, or a terrible stretch. I mean, they're two and eight in their last ten games. It's gonna make them slide down the standings, and they have, and they're not even in the wild card picture anymore. They're four and a half games out of the wild card. They're last place in the American League East, which is, by the way, the most difficult division in baseball. We all can agree on that, right? Yankees, 66 and 33. Oh my goodness! Fire truck is driving by, and I can hear it. <laughs> uh, the Blue Jays, they're 54 and 44. They're the number one wild card. The Blue, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, they're 53 and 45. They're only one game out, but they're the third wild card. The Orioles, they're 49-49, they're 500, they're four out, and you're 49 and 50, 4.5 games out. So what I'm gonna play a clip of Hein Bloom talking about the deadline approaching and the potential moves that we could see or or what's kind of going through, you know, his office, you know, his, his line of thinking with him and his his office mates. But before I do get into that, I do wanna say that the Red Sox do have a lot of issues to address. I think that's pretty evident, correct? Whereas someone like the Yankees, who just traded for Andrew Benintendi, you don't need to make a bunch of moves. You don't need to add starting pitching. You don't need a reliever. But you sure want one. Do you need Andrew Benintendi? But you sure would like him, right? They got Stanton. They got Judge. Aaron Hicks. Obviously, Joey Gallo is striking out more than he's getting on base. But you have good players there. So do you need Andrew Bantendi? From a certain perspective, maybe. But you sure do want him. And the Yankees went out and made that move because they want him. Whereas the Red Sox, they have needs. They got tons of needs. Not so much wants. Tons of needs. They need a first baseman. They need another outfielder, preferably a right fielder. They need starting pitching. They need a closer. They need all these guys. They do. We've seen what Bobby Dahlbeck looks like at first base. We've seen what Frenchy Cordero looks like at first base. We've seen what Christian Arroyo looks like in right field. And we've seen what these young AAA guys, who have pitched well at times, but it's not getting the job done for a team with playoff aspirations. You need to go out and make some moves. But well, what moves are there out there to be made? Well, I did address that in a YouTube video, uh, players that could be on a, on the move, specifically players that I'm looking to pick up you know, their sports cards at the Nationals because these players could be on the move. Andrew Benintendi was on that list and he is now on the move on a playoff contending New York Yankees team. But what moves can the Red Sox make? Before I get into that I do want to play this video from Heim Bloom. So give me two seconds. Let me set that up. Uh, let me turn up the volume. It's a really
0: unique year. I mean look where we're 500 club playing a tough schedule and we're in last place, but that is a fact. That's where we are. Uh, we have to factor that in. You know, Every game moves that needle one way or another. It doesn't change how we feel about the talent on the club, but it does you know, change our situation. So we have to factor it in on some level. But like I said, I, I think most of how we've been spending our time has been uh, you know, about things that uh, are more a reflection of the talent level that we have than it is about exactly where we are in the standings. I think we're not doing our jobs if we don't try to look at everything Um, you know some of them are going to be exactly what people expect and some of them might not as every as in every deadline you know for every hundred things you look at maybe one or two of them actually happens but you know sometimes you know you end up finding something that might not be uh, what people expect and it ends up working out and you know last year we acquired a left fielder to play first base and that didn't go over well when we did it but By the end, I think everybody was happy that we did it, as were we. So, you know, if you're not willing to be a little creative, you're going to miss some opportunities. I would rather have the letdown and try to deal with the letdown than do something that I didn't believe in, that I didn't think was going to make us better, that was good for the organization, just to avoid that. Because ultimately, that's going to catch up to you. Um, You know, the optics only get you so far. Eventually, the substance is what matters. Um, you know I'm hopeful that we're able to make moves because it means we found things uh, that we could do that we thought would make make us better Uh, but we shouldn't force something that ultimately we don't think is in our interest uh, just to satisfy people who want to see us do something
1: so how do you guys feel after that little that snippet that I played and that's a full video that I was able to find on MLB.com strictly from Nessun so it wasn't, you know, I didn't cut anything out. I didn't make that video myself just to please my point. And quite frankly, I don't really have a point here. I'm trying to have a discussion with you guys. That That's the purpose of what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to have a discussion. And Bloom, he knows that the team is underperforming. He clearly said it, you know, I, well, sub 500 team now. Uh, he knows that they're in last place. And he is not working with the Tampa Bay Rays anymore. He's working with the Boston Red Sox, nine-time World Series champion, playoff aspirations every year, championship aspirations every year. He has a big checkbook to work with. I don't know what salary is right now. I don't know where money is right now for the team. But he has room to to, to play, right? Obviously, people want Devers to be, be re-signed. They want uh, Bogarts to be re-signed. But right now, I'm looking at right now. Okay, Xander Bogarts still is under contract for a couple seasons, but he has a player option. So he could opt in, he could opt out, but it seems like he's going to opt out, whatever. Devers is still, he has one more year of arbitration next year. So how can we fit everything that we've discussed, maybe bring in a new player here and there to make this team a playoff team again? Because right now it clearly isn't. It clearly is is not a playoff team are this are the red sox going to be buyers or are they going to be sellers and i kind of want to go into some uh just some more some more um quotes that heimbloom had uh quote so look we would be silly to try to pretend that the scoreboard doesn't exist said bloom prior to the game quote we're not too happy with how it looks right now We have to factor that in, but I think to really dictate the course of an organization over a handful of games usually is not the right course of action. So we're going to factor in, obviously, where we are, end quote. In other words, Bloom and the Red Sox are, in a sense, quote, tweeners in that age-old buyer-seller dilemma that will hover over the club until Tuesday, August 2nd, which is the MLB trade deadline. Uh, I did forget to mention that I'm reading an article from Ian Brown from... July 27, so he wrote this yesterday. Um, Quote, Bloom facing big decisions as trade deadline approaches. Again, this is from MLB.com. Let's get back into the article. Quote, I don't really like the label of buy or sell. In theory, any move you make, you're doing both regardless of where you are, said Bloom. I kind of agree with that. But when you're trading a single A or double A player for a major leaguer, you're buying that major leaguer. And yeah, you are selling, but... I, I, I see the point there. I see the point. Um, though they might not sell some pieces with expiring contracts, such as J.D. Martinez, Nathan Uvalde, Christian Vasquez, Kike Hernandez, Michael Walker, Rich Hill, if the right offer comes along, it won't be the two big ones. For the second straight day, Bloom indicated he has no interest in trading Xander Bogarts, who has an opt-out at the end of the season, or Raphael Devers, who's a free agent after the 2023 season the two all-star cornerstones on the left side of the infield. Quote, yeah, I look at what we're trying to accomplish and just the stature that those guys have, not just for our fans, but also for what it means for what we're trying to accomplish, said Bloom. Quote, I know it's hard at this time of year, but I'm at least trying to... Wait, what is it? I'm at least trying to at least minimize whatever potential distraction Bogart's Endeavor trade rumors can cause. So I've just set this... So I've just said the truth that we haven't had discussions with them, with anyone, and we're not planning on it. Now, right there, as a fan, I know I kind of jumbled that a little bit. Let me restate that. So I've just said the truth that we haven't discussed them with anyone, and we're not planning on it. Now, as a Red Sox fan, that just makes me feel sick makes me feel absolutely sick. I've said this before and I will say it again. I was okay with trading one, bets or Benintendi. You traded away Mookie Betts, face of your franchise at the time. Okay, now go out and re-sign Andrew Benintendi. You don't do that. So you trade away Andrew Benintendi. And you lose a lot of the fan base because the fan base loved Mookie Betts. They loved Andrew Benintendi. Okay. So you suck in 2020. Let's call that a uh, just. Let's just call it how it is. 2021 comes around. You have the fan base back. They're revigorated. You made it to the ALCS. You were two games away from the World Series. Yeah, you lost, but the fans were in it. They were, they were feeling it. They were juiced up on the emotion. You had the fans fall back in love with the team. Players like Bogarts, Devers, Verdugo, Martinez. Obviously, you didn't have Chris Sale uh, all too much. Actually, no, you did. Yeah, towards the end of the season, you had Chris Sale. Evaldi. I mean, just, like, guys that the players on this team, players that are on this team that the fans love. Now, you're going to trade away the two faces of your franchise in Bogart's endeavors, who, by the way, are both homegrown talent, like Benintendi was, like Mookie Betts was. Like, if you're not going to pay... Those two guys, who are you going to pay? Like, again, if you believe that Marcelo Meyer is the guy, fine. But he's not going to be your starting shortstop on August 3rd. He's not going to be. And he's not going to be your starting shortstop on opening day of 2023. So what are you going to do? Are you going to slide Trevor Story? Okay, who's your second baseman now? Because Kike Hernandez, he's going to be a free agent. And quite frankly, I don't think we need to re-sign him. Nick York isn't ready. Jeter Downs, I, I guess. It's very, very questionable, with the mindset and the plan that this organization is taking at the current moment. Alexander Bogarts doesn't want a $40 million. He doesn't want $35 million a year. He just wants to be paid fairly. Probably 25 26 27 gets it done, I would guess four or five years, I mean, that would, you know, I think that would be perfect. I mean, because by time year two or year three of that contract rolls around, if Marcelo Myers the guy and he's ready, then you could maybe ship Bogarts out to get more pieces back and then you could have Meyer be the shortstop or you could have him be second base with Trevor Story being the shortstop, whatever. It's just Heimblum and the Red Sox are buying incredibly in on these younger players. And we have no idea what they're going to look like. Zero clue what they're going to look like or what they're going to turn out to be. Could they be the next best, the, the next Cal Ripken Jr.? Sure. Could Tristan Cassis turn into the next uh, Don Mattingly? Sure. Or actually, even better, could he turn into the next Frank Thomas? Sure. And as much as I'd like to see Cassis up right now, because you need a first baseman, I don't want to see Marcelo Meyer up right now, I don't want to see Nick York right now, I don't want to see Hudson Potts, I don't want to see Blaze Jordan, I don't want to see any of those guys because they're not ready. You have Devers who's injured so let's put that on the side but you have Bogarts right now. You're a contender or you're supposed to be a playoff contender right now. The fans love Bogarts, the fans love Devers, if you lose all four. Bogarts, Devers, Betts, and Benintendi. I've said this before and I've said it again. Why should I and you as Red Sox fans and other Red Sox fans buy into this team in any capacity? Why should we fall in love with this team? Why should we fall in love with the players when they're just going to trade them or not re-sign them? I mean, why should I put my blood sweat and tears my emotion my heart and soul into player x because at the end of his contract renewability and arbitration period which I still thinks a crock of shit by the time that those years expire why should i have any hope and faith that you're going to just resign him i mean let's look at marcelo meyer if he turns out to be the guy that everyone's saying he's going to be the top prospect that he is, and the future face of this franchise that he's supposed to be. Once he's been up for six years, then why should I think that we're going to re-sign him? Because we're not going to. Because we're not going to. Because if he turns out to be that player, he's going to want $30, 35000000 million. And we've seen what the Red Sox are doing is they're not re-signing their homegrown talent. They're not. It's just that simple. I mean, name me. Okay, so you could say that they re-signed Bogarts. Okay, that's fine. They did re-sign Bogarts years ago. But they're not looking to re-sign him now. And he's only what, 29, uh, maybe, Alexander. He's not like 30-something, but he's 29 years old. So he's still on the right side of 30. But again, you know, you give him a four or five-year contract, that'll push him to 34, 35. Maybe he can kind of turn into your DH. Because you're going to need one of those soon once J.D. Martinez leaves. Maybe he can even slide over to third base. And then you can have Devers be your your designated hitter for a bit. Now you can have Bogarts at third. You can have Marcelo Meyer at short or Trevor Story. And then you can have Marcelo Meyer at second or story. But why should I have faith in a young Marcelo? And this has nothing to do with Marcelo Meyer. I'm just using him as an example because he's the apparent um, heir to shortstop, right? We'd all have to agree on that. When they're not gonna re sign him. If he turns out to be the player that he's supposed to be, I have no faith and no hope that the Red Sox actually re-sign this guy when his when his time is up, when it's time for him to get paid. I I just it's so baffling and puzzling. Like, I'm pretty sure Xander Bogart's not looking for a 10 year contract. I'm sure he's probably looking for something maybe on the shorter end, but a little bit more money. I don't know how many years are left on his original contract. Um, Bogart's. I do want to know how much is left on his original contract that he signed. Uh, do 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 one, two, three, four. Okay, he has four years left on his original contract. Okay, so what if we were to give him and that would push him to uh 30, 31, 32, 33? Perfect, you give this guy. Now, I'm just spitballing ideas here. You give him a four-year contract extension, so he opts out. You give him a four-year extension, or just a buffed payment so he can opt in, right? That value's at 27... uh, I need to (laughs) calculate. I got to do some math here. 27.5 times 4 is 110. 27 times 4 is 108. Let's... Right now, if he was to opt in for the rest of his contract, he'd be, pay- he'd be paid $80 million over the next four years. But if you can just bump that up, $7, 8000000 million a year to be your shortstop for twenty twenty two, three for 2024, maybe slide over to third base, maybe do some designated hitting. Obviously, R- Raphael Devers, he's younger, he's like 26. So he's probably going to be at third base, but Maybe he slides over to first. Cassis goes to third. Cassis plays first. Devers plays third. One of them DHs. Bogarts DHs. It, listen, like, the Red Sox don't spend all of their money year in and year out. But I think an extra $7, 8000000 million, and I could be highballing it for all I know. But Bogarts could only want maybe five more, 20, uh, 25 a year maybe. I have no idea. But maybe uh, – so let me get back to my point. The Red Sox – giving Bogarts an extra $7 million a year they gave Garrett Richards last year more money they gave him $10 million a year it's just it's so stressful it's so infuriating because we're going to be going through the same thing with Raphael Devers probably next year and he is worth it we've seen it year in and year out how much he's worth $30 million, 32, 33 he is worth that What more statistics do you need to see? Do you not want to pay him? Okay, have Cassis play third base, and then in six years when he is due for money, you're not going to pay him, and then he's going to be shipped out. That's why we should not buy into the Red Sox and fall in love with these players. I hate to say it, guys, but it's turning out to be the truth. Um, Let me get back to this article because I've gone on a complete tangent here. Um, quote, yeah, I look at what we're trying to accomplish and just uh, I already read that. Um, given their wild inconsistency this season, this isn't an, quote, all in trade season for the Red Sox, who dipped below 500 on Wednesday for the first time since June 4th. But that doesn't mean Bloom can't make a modest upgrade or two in hopes that the club can get healthy and consistent. That would require Bloom believing that his team is a contender. Does he believe that? Quote, yeah, said Bloom. Quote, obviously we haven't played well lately. We've been banged up and we haven't been playing well. I do think we have a good team. I think we're a very talented team. It's not a perfect club, no question. At times, we haven't played as well as we could. At times, some of the ways that the games have played out, especially early in the season, have kind of exposed some of the imperfections on our club. But I'd stack our talent up against just about any team in the league. Um, Interesting. To start June, the Red Sox went on a 19-4 tear and everything aside from catching the Yanks in the AL East seemed possible. But then came July, which was a big time regression complicated by injuries to key players. Quote, I know the last few weeks are what they are, said Bloom. Quote, we're not in a very good spot. That was a point in late May or early June when it looked like it was going to separate and really break into two halves and have into the halves and halves nots and then it all tightened up again we have not played the way we need to play to be in a playoff spot right now and we're not we're quote we're still hopefully getting closer and closer to full strength and if we play well and we play clean baseball we can win hey no questions asked there if you get healthier and you can tighten some things up you play well you can win i'm not going to question you there but are you going to be able to catch the tampa bay rays who are four and a half games above you Are you going to be able to catch the Seattle Mariners, who are five games above you? Are you going to be able to catch the Toronto Blue Jays, who are six games above you? Oh, do you guys want to know how many games the Red Sox are behind the Yankees? Oh, I'll happily tell you. Uh, I think it's... Let me look it up real quick. It is a crisp 17 games. 1-7, guys. 1-7. Games behind the Yankees. And they made a move. Who arguably don't have to. But they did. Because they see this year as their year and they want to go out and win. I just wish Hein Bloom would have the same same mindset. Now, I'm not telling you to go out in there and trade for Juan Soto, go trade for Luis Castillo, and go trade for Josh Bell. I'm not telling tra- you to trade for all those guys. I do believe that the Red Sox, if they get healthy, if they can get their pitching on track. But we've had Uh, April, May, June, now July. Four months of what the current structure of this ball club. We've had four months of what it looks like. And we've had four months to see how it's portrayed. And look where you are. You had a slow start to the season. Okay. You battled back. You rebounded in June to put yourself in a really good position to be a top wildcard team. Then the pitching flared out, the hitting just disappeared, injuries caught up to you. Okay, 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 I get that. That's out of your control. But that's why you add pieces to your team. That's why you make moves to bolster your team. The Yankees have Aaron Hicks, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and Joey Gallo. Now Andrew Benintendi. They have five starting outfielders on their roster who you can rotate and platoon and DH and Gallo can play first and third or whatever. Why can't the Red Sox go out and have a similar mindset? Bring in another outfielder to platoon with uh, Jaron Duran, Verdugo, Kike Hernandez when he comes back. Like, I understand we're dinged up, and when Rafael Devers comes back, it's going to be a huge bonus. But when Kike Hernandez comes back, like, how big of a bonus, how big of an ad is that really going to be? Like, oh my God, Kike Hernandez is back. Now we have, you know, a 300 hitter, some guy that's going to hit 25 home runs and drive in 90 uh, runs. No, he's not that kind of guy. He's not that kind of guy. And please, for the love of God, I hate when teams do this. Don't look at a player coming back from the IL or the injured li- or whatever, injured reserve, you know, for, you know, other sports. Like, oh, wow, Raphael Devers is just coming back from the IL. That was the big plus, the big bonus that we needed, the move that we, uh, the pseudo move that we had to make at the deadline. No, no it's not because you had Rafael Devers the majority of the season, the exception of the past couple weeks, and your team still sucks. So don't look at Rafael Devers coming back from the IL, Kike Hernandez coming back, um, James Paxton, Chris Sale when they come back. Don't look at them coming back as your big time roster additions, your big time roster moves. Because injuries are a part of the game. They're going to happen. We've seen what this team looks like with and without injuries. Oh, and and Trevor Story as well. The Red Sox have to go out and bring in major league or major league players. And I've mentioned it before. I would lo- I did want Andrew Benatendi back on this team because I do believe a left-handed outfielder or a left-handed bat would be excellent for this for this lineup. But I'm, I'm looking at a guy like Josh Bell. I mentioned him before. He's on the nationals, He plays first base. He's a switch hitter, so it doesn't matter. Left-handed, right-handed, does not matter. He'd be great for first base because then you're going to do something with Dahlbeck, either platoon him or you could have him play third base till Devers comes back or you can put him in Worcester until September. I think that makes all the sense in the world, right? What about a guy like CJ Cron for the the Rockies? Big-time power, he's a right-handed hitter. I think he'd be he would thrive with the monster where he can bang walls off the wall, uh, bang balls off the green monster, get doubles or just chip them over the monster. I mean, these guys shouldn't be all too expensive pitching-wise. I think you either get a lockdown closer like again, I can't think of any names at this moment cuz I don't have uh, the list of available pitchers. But I know I've mentioned Daniel, um, Daniel Bard, David Bednar. Oh, who's the other guy that I mentioned? Um, I mentioned it in a video, or did I mention it on the podcast? Oh, I don't even remember now. I don't even remember. There was one more guy, and I really liked him. Uh, I'm not gonna be able to remember. I know Michael Fulmer was on there, but I was like, yeah, on him. Wow, I can't, I can't remember. Anyways. Then there's Luis Castillo as the starting pitcher for the Reds who uh, whose name has been kind of floating around. Do you need a starter or you need just about everything? So whatever you can get, I'll take it at this point. Right, guys? Whatever we can get, I will take. But I do want the Red Sox to make moves. Be buyers at the deadline. Bring in Major League talent. I'd rather you guys try. Don't push all your chips to the table. Don't trade Cassis. Don't trade Durant. Don't trade Meyer. Don't trade those guys. Make moves that make sense right I think um, Josh Bell CJ Crone. Uh, I know what is the other guy's name I can't think of it a back-end reliever makes sense too it's just don't do nothing for the love of God please don't do nothing that's going to wrap up this baseball chatter let's pivot or let's lateral to football and <laughs> let's talk about patriots and training camp now today's session of training camp here on thursday wrapped up like an hour or so ago so i don't have a lot of actually i don't have any information about what happened today at camp but i do want to talk about yesterday and just you know some winners and losers from patriots first training camp practice and now this is an article from patspulpit.com Big fan of this uh, this page, this website for Patriots-related news. Excuse me. So this is an article from Brian M. Hines and burned Butchmaster from yesterday at 2 p.m. titled, Three Winners and One Loser from the Patriots' First Training Camp Practice. Now, I haven't read this article. I haven't read this article, but I'm very curious to see who that one loser is. <laughs> I'm very curious. All right, let's get into it. The New England Patriots training camp is underway as the team took the practice fields behind Gillette Stadium for the first time on Wednesday morning. The 90-minute session itself saw a heavy focus on red zone work, meaning that we did not yet get a clear perspective on how the coaching staff views its roster and depth chart at this point in time. That said, today's practice did allow us to take a close, uh, the closest look at this year's Patriots team. It also gives us an opportunity to highlight those that stood out for better or worse. Winner. Devontae Parker, wide receiver. The Patriots' off off-season trade acquisition did not take long to make its presence felt. Parker, who arrived from the Miami Dolphins in April, put on a show on Wednesday. He caught back-to-back touchdowns from Mac Jones in a 7-on-7 drill, beating rookies Marcus Jones and Jack Jones in the process. Parker later also outmuscled Terrace Mitchell for a reception in 11-on-11 work. That was a good start. Now he's just beating up rookies. <laughs> How much stock can I take that? Like, he's beating up the rookies, the young guys, the unproven guys. Is Devontae Parker significantly if that much better than them? Is he that guy, that top five, top ten guy? Or do these guys just suck? And I could go out there and catch these touchdowns. It's only day one. Let's just read along. Winner, uh, Ty Montgomery, wide back. <laughs> With James White on the physically unable to perform list, the Patriots gave wide receiver-slash-running back hybrid Ty Montgomery some added opportunities with the starting offense. The 29-year-old who joined the team in free agency made the most out of them. Montgomery was active throughout the day, at one point beating cornerback Sean Wade for a touchdown. Uh, That's not a good look for Sean Wade because I'm personally expecting him to take a huge step up. Winner, uh, Joshua Bledsoe, defensive back. Bledsoe's sophomore training camp is off to a good start, with the 2021 sixth round draft pick seeing plenty of action on Wednesday. His best play of the day came when he broke up a Mac Jones end zone pass intended for Jacoby Myers, but he was also able to get his hands in on other plays as well. There's a long way to go, obviously, but Bledsoe appears to be in the mix for a roster spot in the secondary. Now, I. Kind of big on Josh Bledsoe. I was a little big on him last year because I do see him as a potential replacement to Devin McCourty, especially if they do have him as that center field safety, which has been a part of the Patriots defense for years now, and it more than likely will continue to do so. I know they've had Devin McCordy back there for a decade and he's played exceptionally well at it. I just kind of think it helps keep if you have someone back there, it helps keep everything in front of you as a defender, as a defense even. To have some a safety net back there, if you know, say you do get torched off the line, then you do have that safety net of the free safety back there to be able to help you out and potentially bail you out. Who knows? But it is a stressful position. You have to keep your eyes, you know, 53 yards, 53 and a half yards across the field, looking both ways to see where the receivers are, who's getting toasted and such. Early, but could we see more out of Josh Bledsoe? I know we have an abundance of safeties on this roster, at least to at least start camp. But we'll see how things develop and the one loser (laughs) jack jones cornerback the page's fourth round rookie showed some promise during mandatory minicamp but he had a rougher time on wednesday jones fell victim to one of devontae parker's touchdown reception in seven on sevens and also had to give up a contested scoring grab to fellow rookie taekwon thorne in 11 on 11s jones had some positive moments as well and saw action as punt returner but the hype train slowed down a bit now guys if you watch the if you watch the uh the draft special, the draft live stream. Actually no, this was the second round. Oh yeah, if you watch the draft live stream, I was all in at getting Oh, the Washington guy. I forget his name. Ah, crap. Kansas City Chiefs twenty twenty two draft. Oh, I forget what his name is from Washington. Um, oh, what's his name? 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 Trent McDuffie, right? I wasn't a big fan of Trent McDuffie at first, but the way that the draft played out and some cornerbacks were being taken, even when the Patriots traded back, you still had like Louis, scene uh, you had Andrew Booth still available. There's another guy I can't think of his name as well. And I'm not gonna throw Cole Strange on the bus. It's not his fault. I think what well, we we did need a guard, but not in the first round. Whatever. And then the Patriots go and draft two running backs, two cornerbacks. It's like, are these real – cornerbacks, yes, is a team, need. But, oh, my God, it was just very stressful to watch. And it's day one, or at least I'm reflecting on day one. There's still a lot to be determined, so I'm not going to sit here and say Jack Jones sucks at this moment. We still have a long way to go. Uh, The Patriots saw a positive contribution from other players as well, with Joe Williams registering an interception against Brian Hoyer and Jalen Mills notching a pass breakup as well. The aforementioned Tyquan Thorne also had some encouraging moments while playing primarily with the second-team offense. They and the rest of the team will return to the practice fields Thursday morning for session number two. So, Patriots. It's really good to be back talking about the New England Patriots. There is a lot of optimism. There is a lot of pessimism at the same time because the Patriots do feel like that they're not one of those teams, Right. And I kind of want to run through an exercise real quick. AFC. um, I want to run through a a little something here and see which teams the Patriots are better than. And hold on, let me uh, write this down real quick because I may forget. (laughs) All right, so I don't. What is this organized by? Okay, this is organized by by placement last year. Okay. I just want to make sure that you know it's all okay. Okay, perfect. Now we have an alphabetical order. All right, are the Patriots better than the Kansas? Well, actually, no. I'll just start with the big names first. Are they better than the Chiefs? No. Okay. Now this isn't an order. I'm just going to say the um, the Bengals. No. So we'll put the Bengals down. Just kind of you know ranking the AFC teams to see where the Patriots will fall into place. Are they better than the Bills? They are not. I think it's a general consensus from you, me, and everyone listening, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills are the top 3 teams in the AFC. Now you can put them in whatever order you want, I don't care. That's not the point of this. Put those 3 teams in whatever order you want. And I think we can all uh agree that Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills are the three best teams in the AFC. All right. Are the Patriots better than the Baltimore Ravens? Huh. What do you guys think? Uh, I need to see how the rest of it plays out first. I'm going to put the Ravens to the side. I'm leaning no, uh, but I, I don't know. Are they better than the Cleveland Browns? If they have Deshaun Watson, they are not. But if Deshaun Watson does not play, then I don't know. What about the Broncos? I do not think the Patriots are better than the Broncos. Uh, Russell Wilson, they have four good receivers. Uh, I think the Broncos are clearly in win-now mode with that trade for Russell Wilson. They brought in Randy Gregory, I believe, as well. So are the Patriots better than the Colts? I'm going to say no. I think Matt Ryan really takes that team to the next level. I think that Matt Ryan really takes that offense to a next level. You have Jonathan Taylor, arguably the best running back, top two, top three running back in the league, some good young receivers, uh, the best offensive line in the league. So I'm going to put the Colts there. What about the Chargers? I think the Chargers are better. I even think the Chargers are better than the Patriots. Justin Herbert, big year three for him. They just signed J.C. Jackson. They brought in Khalil Mack. That team is going to be a very, very, very good team this year. And I think Justin Herbert's going to spearhead that team. Tough division, yes. But all four of those teams have to play in the same division. And that fourth team is the Raiders, who I also think is better than the Patriots because they have Derek Carr. They just brought in Devontae Adams. They brought in Chandler Jones. They have Darren Waller, um, Hunter Renfro. Am I missing a receiver? I feel like I am. I am not. No. And yes, the Raiders, Chargers, Broncos, and Chiefs all have to play against each other, and they're all going to beat each other up in some fashion. But still, though, they should all be able to get at least 10-11 wins. I'd probably say at least 10 wins, and I don't know if I feel confident that the Patriots can get 10-11 wins. (laughs) If I'm being completely honest. All right. The Dolphins. How do we feel about the Miami Dolphins? They brought in Tyree Kill. They brought in um, Tyron Armstead to uh, protect Tua. People are kind of flip-flopping the Dolphins and the Patriots back and forth. But how do we feel? They got two good corners. Should I put down the, the Dolphins as a team? I'll put them in the maybe pile. How about that? I'll put them in the maybe pile. All right, so I want to draw a line here so we can just cross some teams off, right? Let's just cross a couple teams off here. Texans, no. Um, Although I do expect them to take a small step. Jags, no. Uh, Jets, no. All right, what about the Steelers? Where do we think the Steelers are going to be? Is Trubisky the quarterback? Is uh, uh, Pickett the quarterback? They got Chase Claypool, they got Deontay Johnson, they don't have Juju no more. They got Najee Harris. Pretty solid defense. If the quarterback play is good, then I'd say yes, but I'm gonna throw them in the maybe pile for now. And I have one more team. That is the Tennessee Titans. Arguably the best running back in the league. No more AJ Brown. Uh solid offensive line, a solid defense. Um, I don't know. Good, co- Great coaching. I'll put them in the maybe pile as well. All right, so let me just make sure. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I am missing a team. Oh, the Patriots. Duh. <laughs> Patriots of the 16th team. All right. So these are the teams that I have better than the Patriots. Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, Broncos, Colts, Chargers, Raiders. Put those teams in whatever order you want. It does not matter to me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Those teams right there I just named are seven teams. Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, Broncos, Colts, Chargers, Raiders. That is seven teams. Now those may be teams. Ravens, Browns, Dolphins, Steelers, Titans. Those are five teams. Okay? Now whether you want to say the Patriots are better than the Ravens, Browns, Dolphins, Steelers, Titans, that's up to you. But that still makes them at least the eighth best team in the AFC. Why is that such a big deal? Because only seven teams make the playoffs. Only seven. So let's say the Chiefs win the West, the Bengals win the North, the Bills win the East, the Colts win the South. you got the Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders, all wildcard teams. Let's say that the Raiders underperform. What about the Ravens? What about the Browns if they get Deshaun Watson to play? The Dolphins, the Steelers, the Titans? I mean, those are all five teams that are interchangeable for any of those wildcard spots, plus you, the Patriots. So I'm very, very hesitant to buy into this team this year. Now, yes, the Patriots made some subtle moves. No big splashes, no big moves that are going to be like, wow. I mean, Devontae Parker was the biggest one. But again, he's going to be our number one, but he is not a number one wide receiver, but he is going to be our number one receiver, which will allow Kendrick Bourne to be a two or a three. It will be allowed Jacoby Myers to be a two or a three, where they should be. And I, again, this Patriots team has a lot to prove. You could argue that the Dolphins are better. Dolphins would now be that eighth team in the AFC if you think they're better than the Ravens, Browns, Steelers, and Titans. And now that makes you the ninth team. So the Patriots right now are literally living anywhere between uh, eight, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. The Patriots are literally living between the eighth and 14th best team. In the AFC right Did I do that did I, did I do that math correct for there's only 16 hold on whoa, whoa 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 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 15 16 yeah uh, 8 9 10 11 12 thir- oh 8 and 13 sorry 8 and 13 so from my my judgment I have the Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, Broncos, Colts, Chargers, Raiders, in any order, doesn't matter, better than the Patriots. By default, if we all think that the Patriots are better than the Ravens, Browns, Dolphins, Steelers, and Titans, that puts them at best the eighth-best team in the AFC, and that does not make them a playoff team. At worst, in any way, shape, or form, if the Ravens, Browns, Dolphins, Steelers, and Titans are better than the Patriots, that would have the Patriots anywhere between uh, the 13th, 12th, 11th, 10th, 9th best team. So pretty much anywhere between 8 and 13 is where the Patriots are expected to be. Granted, the Texans, Jags, and Jets don't go crazy and become a playoff contending team. right? I think it's safe to say that the Texans, Jags, and Jets are not better than the Patriots at this current moment. So where does that leave you as a Patriots fan, as Uh, I guess I'm recording this as day two ended on Thursday, but I only have day one material to go off off of. I don't feel comfy. I don't feel cozy about that. I really don't. We're used to the Patriots being the number one, maybe the number two team in the AFC. No questions asked. Now we're sitting here talking about this team being the 8th, the ninth, the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th best team in the AFC? That's a tough pill to swallow that really is. Now could Mac Jones, you know, be the next guy? Could DeVonte Parker be your 15 touchdown, 1300-yard kind of guy with 80 receptions and make you arguably the best team in the AFC East? Maybe a peg behind Buffalo making you that best wild that number 1 wild card team? Sure, absolutely. But now we're going to be congratulating this Patriots team for making the playoffs as a wild card team. Now we're going to be excited for being a wild card team. Like last year, I was excited the Patriots were a wild card team because we had a rookie quarterback. So we had to mildly hit the reset button. Mildly hit the reset button. But now, year two, Mac Jones, no more rookie excuses. All great things have been heard. You know, he looks good. He's in shape. He knows the playbook better. He understands the playbook better fully as he enters year two he can actually sit in the pocket digest the defense make the proper adjustments instead of as in his rookie season he was just trying to know the play and call the play correctly but now he can sit back and digest all right the team's in a uh, defense is in a four three was there two safeties one's coming down and she's showing blitz it looks like he's gonna blitz and film he was blitzing so i can only expect a one high safety that linebacker is gonna play in the flat like now he can do and process those things pre-snap. Whereas last year he couldn't. So there's no more rookie excuses. And being excited for a wild card, uh, being a wild card spot last year, I think was pretty good. The team had low expectations with a rookie quarterback, with a bunch of new guys. And on top of that, all those new guys are in year two now. Hunter Henry, John U. Smith, uh, Jalen Mills, uh what's his name? I can't think of Matthew Judon. They're all in year two now of the Patriots system. So they all should take steps to improve, especially John Smith. Holy smokes, who was uh literally a JV football tight end last year, if we really want to be honest. So I'm not gonna get excited if the Patriots make the wild card. I'm really not. It'll be cool that they're in the playoffs and anything can happen in the playoffs. For sure, I'm not going to deny that. We've seen tons of wildcard teams go on good runs. This is the Patriots. We have high expectations, high aspirations. And this team has a bunch of good players, a bunch of talented players. Not questioning that. But I do believe that there were some moves left on the table in the offseason that could have been made to really help throw the Patriots over the top, to help them be better than the Raiders, to help them be better than the Chargers, the Colts, or even the Broncos in some fashion. Again, guys, it is only day one. Day two is the beginning of training camp. There's a lot to, to happen. Injuries are going to pop up. Other moves are going to be made. Players are going to get released. They're going to get signed. They're going to get traded. It's going to be a weird upcoming few weeks all throughout the preseason and leading up to week one, and I cannot wait to sit and dive and talk about every single thing Patriots-related because hopefully we can have some good conversations in regard to the Patriots because clearly – we are not having any good conversations regarding the Red Sox right now. But, hey, come August 3rd after the deadline, and then when we sit for episode 153 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk next week, maybe we'll have some some good news to, to talk about and rejoice about. But who knows? Between now and then, we have no idea. But that will wrap it up for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying Murph's Boston Sports Talk. If you're listening on audio-only platforms like Spotify, like Apple Podcasts, Google Music, uh, no, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Stitcher, everywhere you can find your podcast, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. And if you listen to this episode on YouTube, please make sure you smash the thumbs up button if you enjoyed today's episode. Comment any question, comments, concerns down below in the comment section. And also please consider hitting that giant red subscribe button. I would greatly appreciate the love and support. Guys, before I go, I do want to leave you with one last question. I need a little help about this. Should I, Murph, yes me, Make Murph's Boston Sports Talk a video podcast. So, as you guys know, I upload the podcast to YouTube, and I also upload it to Spotify, Apple, all those good places, right? But the YouTube version of the podcast, what you know, the episodes I upload to YouTube would be videos. So you'll see me talking live in person. Hi, how you doing? You'll be able to see me facial reactions, you know, all the hesitations, the pauses. The, the burps and the, and the drinking of, of the water. I posted a, a poll on Instagram. I think it was yesterday or the other day. I think it was the other day. And it was like 80% yes or 80-something percent yes. But I want to ask you guys, the, the core listeners, reach out to me via social media at Murph's Cartown, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Comment down below on this video. What do you guys think I should do? I would have to rearrange my office a little bit to accommodate that but I, have, I would have absolutely no issue doing that if that's something that people would be interested in. It's not going to happen overnight. It won't be next week's episode. If you know a resounding amount of people say yes, it will take some time, but I'm definitely interested to see if that's what people are interested in. So let me know down in the comments or reach out to me via social media at Merch Cartown. But again, that's going to do it, guys. I will catch you the next one, but between now and then, you guys know that I love you, and I will always, always see you. <music>